I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach, and we're here to talk about DC Comics, specifically the DC Comics released on March 8th, 2017. So if you haven't read those yet, pause the podcast, go read them, and uh, come back and join us. But we're just going to go this week alphabetically through the list, because the most important book of the week is alphabetically the first one, and that is Action Comics number 975. This was written, believe it or not, by Dan Jurgens. It was... Jan Durgens, illustrated by Doug Monkey, and uh, is the second part in the Superman Reborn storyline. So, let's not bury the lead here, folks. And again, spoilers if you haven't read this or haven't been on the internet since Tuesday. But uh, DC announced about 24 hours before publication that the uh, fake Clark Kent was not Superboy Prime, much to everyone's chagrin but was indeed the unpronounceable Mr. Mitzipitalik or Mitzelflick or Mitzelplex or however we're deciding to call him today. But it's him, it's the imp from the fifth uh, dimension, and it's... Well, okay, be- before I talk about what I think about the reveal, let's leave the issue aside for now. What do you guys think of the reveal? Well, Zach, since you... <laughs> Wanted Superboy Prime so badly. Why don't you start? Um, I mean, it's a fine reveal. It's whatever. It's if I hadn't been so primed, (laughs) so primed for Prime, because it. I mean, let's just be real here. It was the logical choice it made so much sense um and it wasn't like beating it was you over the head either right, like, right it, it right. was it made total sense in a really subtle fun way yeah yeah so when this reveal started happening like when it all started like you get to the page where it's like um you know things start getting really loopy i you know it's pretty like i hadn't checked spoilers because i wanted to remain unspoiled um but it became pretty obvious who it was, and I was just, I just kind of like groaned to myself. And I was just like, eh. <laughs> And so, like, no, I'm not like terribly excited that it's Mr. Mix, Mixius Pitlick. Uh, but, like, I still am like kind of excited that it's focusing on some of the the more meta aspects of of the character and and kind of i i'm still interested in where the story is going i am just like extremely underwhelmed by the reveal vince what about you yeah i'm i'm almost uh 100 echoing exactly what zach said um i don't mind it as a reveal i was ready for superboy prime but i think I think bringing Mixie back into the uh, back into the fold here is 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 interesting. I I, I like him as a character. Um, I thought it was the thing that I'll say is that it was interesting that to get it to make sense that this was uh, Mister Mixus Pidlick. I'm just gonna call him Malkovich. Sure. For, like, could, imagine John Malkovich playing Mister Mixus Pidlick in a in a DC movie. I could see that. Um, 
you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> See my name backwards. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, I thought it was interesting that they had to essentially, like, in the backup story, they had to essentially show him going through all the same motions that Superboy Prime would have gone through to figure out to like figure out how to be Clark Kent. Plus Superboy Prime actually could look like Clark Kent. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I felt like I felt like the 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 every the lead up and everything about the story made it perfect for it to be a grown up Superboy Prime. But then they just made Mixie go through all the motions to do that very same thing, you know? Yeah, yeah it, it felt very forced and, and arbitrary. You right. know, it reminds me of the, like, fabled um, bait-and-switch in um, that old DC crossover, Armageddon 2001, I uh-huh. believe, yep. where where Monarch's identity was leaked. I think he was originally supposed to be um, Captain Adam, but then they changed it to Hawk because it got leaked. And it never made sense. <laughs> I know that that's not what happened here, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, I vaguely remember what you're talking about, and I and, and you're right. That's yeah. Um, well, I I don't disagree with any of that. I also feel like this did something that it would that it wouldn't have had to do with Superboy Prime. Yeah, exactly. But specifically when when he is like. I had to cast a spell on myself to convince myself I was Clark Kent. Like that is, <laughs> that is such mental jujitsu for something that didn't need to be done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's just such a more natural fit to have a grown-up Superboy Prime do that. You know, it also fits Rebirth better. I would think. Absolutely. Like in my mind. Yeah. But- yeah. So that brings up like a really weird thing with like the last time we saw Mixie was in. Morrison's action comics. And didn't they actually team up in that issue? No, he was the villain. I was thought. Super- oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He did team up with him. They teamed the, up to the, stop somebody. They teamed up to stop another fifth dimensional. Yeah, thing. that's yeah. right. You're right. Okay. Um. Yeah, and so this doesn't reference any of that, at least explicitly, that I noticed, and so. Yeah. I, I don't... This is built up like a really big thing, and it's not at all. <laughs> right, it's just Mr. Mixes Spitlick again, you know? It's like... Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah. Which is fine. Again, it's fine, you know? The, Here's the... the thing. If it was... If there was an event that naturally suited that character, and he was returning as part of that naturally occurring event... I would be all about that. I think he's one of Superman's more interesting rogues. I don't think he gets used enough. Like, I I would be all about that. To me, this just isn't that, though. This is just a poor use of that character. And if you're going to use the character poorly, then don't use it at all. Yeah. And just to circle back, like, the one thing I wanted to say about, um, like, Superboy Prime fitting fitting the bill a little better was that, like, I actually liked the scene in the Paul Dini backup where you see him like actually enter the real world and like drop down to, uh, you know, Jeff John's storage locker where he keeps all the DC comics that have ever been released, you know? And he's like, he's like literally reading back issues 
in some sto- in like some storage facility or something. But doesn't that also just ring so true of Superboy Prime? Well, that's that's my point. My point is like you're having Mr. Mix's Pitalik do that and but like like he's doing the investigation. He's flying somewhere and reading the comics in the real world when Superboy Prime was doing that already. Like that's what his whole character is. He's a fan of these books, and they make him mad when, like, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, and I also feel like, in a in a weirdly perverse way, Superboy Prime is the ultimate Jurgens character because Jurgens hates us so much and <laughs> thinks we're all just like whiny bitches who don't deserve safe spaces and who don't who sh- who should just love his comics unconditionally, which I'm makes super- someday we're gonna get killed in one of his comics. Oh God, I hope so. Um, I know I was killed in a Tim Daniel comic, weren't you also, Vince? I don't remember if I was killed or not. Yeah, that was Curse, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was named, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Malikoff had, like, a full-on role in that comic. He did, yes. I was very flattered. There were also a lot of references to Wisconsin, and um, it was, yeah, yeah. That's my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> How much uh, did that book sell? Because then that's, like... You know, twenty thousand people that had to figure out how to pronounce my last name. I think I think you're overestimating the sales by about nineteen thousand, but that's we'll we'll move that up, we'll move along from that. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, but you know, it just seemed like everything was in place for this to be Superboy Prime, and I think because it wasn't, we're all going to be more disappointed than maybe we should be because this is a fine reveal in a certain. <laughs> From a certain perspective, to uh, to borrow from another franchise here, but let's um, let's talk about the issue itself. So, Vince, I, I know that you loved the opening scene. Oh God. Um. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. We're gonna talk about the two halves of this issue, right? We're gonna talk about Dan Jurgens' part, and we're gonna talk about Paul Dini's part, right? Sure. And. I just think that there's no clear like Paul Dini's backup is very much a recap story of how Mr. Mixes Pitalik got to this point, right? Right. And I I just think that there's no clearer view of like just how much Dan Jurgens is folding in the writing right now than by looking at the two halves of this issue side by side. But let's pick apart this, like, we made fun a couple weeks ago of the ending of his last issue of Action, where, you know, uh, the fake Clark was like... The one who looks like me? Yeah, the one, and the one who looks like me, just this nonsense, like, oh, man. Um, Anyway, but let's go through this, this narration in the beginning. John, our son has been kidnapped yeah john is your son we know this you know like who is (laughs) i feel like every comic is somebody's first comic yeah i know but i feel like he's i feel like he's written that every time like every time they mention john they say our son or my son (laughs) you know like 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 fucking michael on lost (laughs) yes yeah 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 so our son has been kidnapped but we're almost certain we know who took him Clark Kent. Next page. My doppelganger. 
again, like we know, like if this is, I, I feel like they do this every issue. Like, oh, he looks just like me, or, you know, or like, or like Lois is like, he like he's got the same history, same size, you know. And my doppelganger, an identical duplicate that walks, talks, and sounds just like me. We That's what a doppelganger is. Oh, <laughs> all these years I thought it was a hamburger at a German burger place. <laughs> Dan, we know what a doppelganger is. Like, come on, like, dude. John was in my arms when it happened. Almost as though he faded away. Taken by a strange blue flame. Okay, that part's fine. But then he says, oh, I'm sorry. This is, this is a double-page spread, so I kind of read this out of order. Anyway, after the doppelganger part. A completely human me, but clearly isn't me. He's someone or something inexplicable. Blah, 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 blah. It's as if he's trying to steal my life. It's him. It's like, like, none of this. The, <laughs> nobody talks like this. Nobody narrates like this in comics anymore because it's so overwrought and unnecessary. Like in, in these three pages alone, I feel like he explains to you what a doppelganger is and the fact that this fake Clark is not really him three times. And, and that's in one issue after a dozen or more issues that we've already read where we're seeing this fake Clark be creepy and everybody talking about how that can't be the real Clark all the time. Just stop. <laughs> like, like, learn something about the economy of words, you know? It's a little like, late in his career for that, isn't it? It's just, I, I rolled my eyes so hard reading all of that. It's just so overwritten. I mean, to be fair, everything Jurgens writes is overwritten at this point in his career. That's my problem. That's, that's, I mean, again, I don't have that much of a problem with the idea of Mr. Mixus Pitalik being used again. But the issue was just so painful to read. You know, and then when you get to the actual, I'm sorry, I know I'm kind of hijacking things right here, but like when you get to the actual part where he's like confronting Superman, I, I did like how he's transforming into all these different Superman villains and making Superman guess. Like I thought that was pretty well done. But again, I feel, I feel like the way that when Jurgens writes Lex Luthor, he's telling you that he's the smartest man in the world, but he doesn't sound like it. Right. Here, Mr. Mixus Pitalik is, like, telling you that he's a very clever and funny trickster, but he doesn't sound like it. Like, <laughs> like at the end when he's, like, when Superman's, like, bring our son back, and he's, like, he keeps saying, like, who? <laughs> like, like, that's supposed to be clever or something, but it's it's not... Like it's just it's just him being an asshole troll. And maybe that's the I, that's the point, but it's not clever. It's just like Paul Dean. Then Paul Dini in the second half of the issue writes a very clever Mister Mixes Pitalik. I think I I have two responses to that. Okay. okay. First, I thought that that section where he was like cycling through villains. Uh huh. While it, while it looked really good, I thought that was just a huge waste of space. Because I, it's I had the like, same thought. Every every page is like, 
Lex Luthor? Nope. Bizarro? No. <laughs> and like he's he says like everybody, you aren't Brainiac. Yeah. Oh, you're not Mongol. <laughs> it's not possible. It can't be you. None and like it's And nobody like was turning the page and being like, I knew it was Parasite. Wait, fuck it's not. Like nobody <laughs> exactly. was fooled by any of them. Exactly. It just like went on and on. And then my second hot take here. <laughs> um I had forgotten that Paul Dini wrote the backup and I didn't like check the credit. So I just thought that that was Jurgens writing. <laughs> I mean, so that that tells you what I thought about the backup. I, I, I'm kind of with you there, Zach, but I have, I do have to say one thing. If you know how DC did their like betting odds on who this was, mm-hmm. there is no way it would have been doomsday. But you know that Jurgens had to fight tooth and nail to get Doomsday <laughs> as one of the options there. Damn, there's no reason to be Doomsday. He's, he's not. And he's like, he's like, no, trust me. It ha- we have to put Doomsday in there. I know what people like. Oh, goddamn. Uh, to me, the reveal just reminded me of the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I talked just like this! Just like this. <laughs> everything about this issue drove me crazy. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, you, I believe in the text you said you would wipe your ass with both With, with both, both halves, halves of the comic, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I felt a lot more favorably about the second half, and I'll tell you why. Because I think it's... I It, it does some things that are so dc they couldn't be any more DC. And that's like giving you the image of Superman, the animated series, Superman and Lego Superman, like acknowledging that these characters are icons and they're multimedia legends. And Mr. Mixes Pitalik goes beyond that, but with his pan dimensional powers. And that's so DC to me and I love that they're embracing that because that's something that's so rebirth before rebirth they would have shied away from something like that because everything had to be this interconnected you know very serious you know it's but there's Lego Superman right there in like one of the big DC rebirth events so far there he is we're acknowledging that that exists in the real world in the comic you know and that may be a gimmick, you know, whatever, but it's DC to me also, you know? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I really liked that. I like that kind of stuff, but I felt like it that the back half really doubled down on a lot of the mental gymnastics that <laughs> were required to to make this story work. I, I, I understand what you mean, yeah, yeah. And I, I also think that, it, like, it, I don't disagree with the loving having, like, the superpowers toy box in the background. Like, I, I love that stuff, too. I love this idea that that's not just what you see on the page, but the DC characters are icons, blah, 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 blah. We all, we all know and love that stuff. My problem lies in the fact that I think this is not necessarily an all-that-accurate representation of who Mr. Mrs. Pitalik is, I feel like having him be butthurt about Superman not remembering him is, again, such a Superboy Prime thing that it just yes. seems out of place. And the whole time I'm reading it, I'm saying this, 
this just seems so out of place. In addition, I feel like this is... Like, DC knows that there's a Vince Ostrowski out there and a Brian Salvatore and a Zach Wilkerson out there who love this stuff. And they're like... And they know that by putting a few panels of that in there, everyone's going to focus on those things and be really happy. I feel like the harder thing to do is to do what Peter Tomasi does, which is to take disparate elements of the Superman mythos and put it all together into something that reads and makes sense and incorporates all these different ideas and timelines and theories together and makes it so that everything is unified. This to me doesn't isn't the unified theory of Superman. It's just literally showing us different versions of Superman. There's no meta commentary on it there. Oh, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to defend the, the the comic itself. I just like that D- DC's acknowledging that. That's all I'm saying. Okay, and I, I can agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, with that reservation. I mean, I mean, I I was excited to see. I mean, putting putting a shitty little Lego Superman in this comic, um, is is DC having fun in a way that we haven't seen them? You know. I mean, it's just further. It's just further expanding out, and acknowledging that, you know, not everything needs to be grim and dark all the time. We can accept that there's this fun Lego universe, and we're going to tip our cap to it. You right. know, I mean, that's all I'm saying. That I got a kick out of that. I just, yeah, I don't think this was a good comic, but I think it's mostly Dan Jurgen's script that's just such a chore to read yeah uh fun fact um this is well it's i always think it's weird like that these kind of like 75s are billed as like anniversary issues but i remembered another big 75 um 775 which was the what's so funny about truth justice in the american way which also featured art by doug monkey oh interesting 200 issues later yeah i want you to to mvp i just really like that issue (laughs) i wonder if the 75 thing started with superman dying in number 75 and that ever since then they've seen that number as uh as an anniversary number Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Did Detective Comics just do a seventy-five? I don't think it's that. No, Detective Comics action is farther. Right? It was no, 50. Detective is. Or was Detective fifty? No, Action. Yeah, Action is further. Detective just did fifty. Because Action went weekly for longer. Ah. So uh-huh. it, its number is slightly inflated. Okay. But yeah, we're yeah. like we're. Uh, this time next year, we're going to be getting prepped for Action Comics number 1,000. Wow. Not even. Oh, you're right, because it's double shipping. It's double shipping, so not, not yeah. Wow. So it's like almost exactly a year from yeah. now. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Can't I can't wait to get Jurgens a year from now, because he'll still be writing this. Oh, he will be. So. Yeah, he'll be bringing back, um, I don't know, Snapper Car in some weird way next year. Uh-huh. Well, right. Snapper Snapper Car is a Mr. Oz, so. 
Oh, that's right. You're right. All right. Anything else to say about this? I mean, I, here, here's the here's the upshot of this, right? There is still a very good chance that the net, that Peter Tomasi's twenty one pages next week fixes a lot of this, or at least puts it into context that we can enjoy more easily. Mm-hmm. And the the event doesn't have to be a total washout just because of the reveal. Because again, it's not a bad reveal; it's just a bad reveal for the story they were telling. Yeah. I do have one more thing. Sure. I have a question for both of you guys. Okay. Lay it on me. I, I said this in our in our text thread, but I, we didn't really talk about it very much. Um, DC is really good at pulling the rug out from under you with these sorts of surprises. Um, like, I spend a lot of time on, like, internet message boards and things because I'm a huge nerd. And... Pretty much nobody guessed this. And the same is true about Rebirth. Like, nobody was guessing that it was going to involve Watchmen at all, you know? I mean, there may have been a shot in the dark here or there, but nobody, you know, this was not a thing that people were guessing. And the same was true, I remember, back when Brightest Day was going on. I mean, they're very good at at doing these, these sort of... Uh, sharp turns that nobody really sees coming what when's the last could you guys remember the last time that you like successfully guessed i mean you can guess the twist of an issue or a story arc but like these like major events they're they're very good at keeping it even forever evil i don't think anybody expected alexander luthor of earth three oh no i definitely did did you really oh yeah oh well you're you're a better man than i He's the MVP. He is the MVP. Well, MVP. no, I thought that one. I thought that one was more obvious because, like, he's like the sole good guy of Earth Three. Like, that's a like part of that mythology. But, but with having the baby and the Shazam thing, or oh well, no, not that stuff. No, yeah, that's no. what I meant. Sort of the overall. In fact, it's funny. Like, I just saw on my time hop a, a tweet. A te- a, conversation on twitter between you and i about that reveal and i think i even said something like uh you know like i expected alexander luther but like never no one could have ever called the shazam thing you know yeah 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 um i'm trying to think vince that's a good question it's also a really general question so we don't need to think too much about it but like well but it's interesting dc did took a page out of the Marvel playbook this week that I hated, which was revealing this in press before the issue came out. I feel like DC's been very... They did also with the um, with the Watchmen thing in Rebirth, uh-huh. and I don't understand why they would do that. As I, as I recall, I think the Watchmen stuff was leaking like over the weekend, so then... Uh, like, I thought it was leaking onto, like, you know, the dreaded 4chan and things like that. Right. For, I don't know. But it was anyway. leaking because they sent out press oh, review copies. I see. It yeah. wasn't, like, those type of leaks I don't get mad about. There's a difference between that, and, like, Marvel does this all the time, where a comic will be coming out on Wednesday, but on the Monday before, USA Today will spoil the comic. Yeah, yep. 
Well, but I think it had also gotten leaked too before they announced it, didn't it? Didn't yeah. Lincoln Cole post it over Uncle the Rich weekend? Posted over the weekend. And yeah. he must have gotten that from a retailer because, you know, this is not peeking too far behind the curtain, but we get on Fridays usually digital copies of DC's comics for review purposes so that we can get our reviewers the comics a few days early so they can have time to write up a review. And then early in the, either on Friday or Monday usually, I get a, a UPS package from DC that has like four or five print comics in it for review. And it purposely said in both of those mailings, like, stay tuned next week for Action Comics 975. So they were holding this back from press to avoid spoilers. But Rich Johnson had it on, uh, I guess it was Monday afternoon or Monday morning. Maybe even, it might have even been Sunday that he posted it. So that he must have gotten that from a retailer who got their books a little early. Yeah. Which, you know, good for Rich, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have an opinion about that. Anyway, uh, anything else to say about action? Um, no, not really. <laughs> 20 minutes is probably enough on that issue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that brings us to Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, written by Julia Julie Benson and Shauna Benson, illustrated by Rose Antonio. We get a guest starring Nightwing in this issue. He talks about <laughs> his butt. He's... Just... <laughs> He's suspicious of Oracle. Uh, Zach, did you even bother? (laughs) Abort. (laughs) Hey, Vince, what did you think? Uh, I did bother, and and the the big thing that I thought about this was that, you know, someone was like, hey, can we use Dick Grayson? Yeah, sure, but you need to use every, like, (laughs) joke and trope that you can about Dick Grayson in one issue. Yep. So he has to talk about his, how his own butt looks really good in his costume for no reason in particular. <laughs> like, that panel stuck out like a sore thumb. It really did. He basically just turns... They're, like, in the middle of, the, of a fight, and he, like, turns... Or, wait a minute, is that... Hold on a minute. Yeah. Oh, this outfit makes my butt look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would he say that? <laughs> Just because we need to reference his butt? Yep. Yeah, I guess. I uh, One of my goals in life is to become the writer of a DC comic that can feature Nightwing. So I can have him say that his costume makes him feel like he's wearing nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> like I'm wearing person. nothing yeah. at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing at all. Stupid sexy Grayson. <laughs> so yeah um this was i would say not the worst issue of background on the birds of prey but it wasn't very good either no yeah i mean it's just passable average street level cape comics you know yeah it's not doing anything more than that and I think this particular issue, the, it didn't get Dick Grayson wrong, but this, it, the way the way that he has been written since uh, Tom King, Tim Seeley, Steve Orlando, that triad has gotten a hold of him. This didn't sound like that. Dick does, really. 
It sounded like a, it sounded like a pale imitation of that dick. Agreed. A, a pale, pale dick. <laughs> uh, agreed. <laughs> um, this is somewhat excusable because of Nightwing, Green Arrow, and Batgirl all being so good right now. And so the book feels like it's not... I mean, I'm sure there are some big uh, Helena Bertolini fans out there who are going to feel really uh, slighted by this series. But I feel like if you're liking the other solo books, this is a fine, inoffensive companion to that. It just could be so much more. Especially because the phrase Birds of Prey has such a nice pedigree in DC and has such an, a vision of doing things differently than this, you know? Uh, it, it, it's it's why I think people had such a problem as well with the Teen Titans book of the New 52, because if that had just been called, like, you know, Stupid Young Heroes, it would have been bad, but it wouldn't have been sullying the Teen Titans name. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get to, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm not too precious with the Birds of Prey name, but I, I can see why people might be. All right, let's move on to a legitimately great comic, Deathstroke number 14, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Joe Bennett. Um, I, I think we're going to have to stop talking about this book soon because <laughs> all we do is just heap praise on it over and over again. Yeah. This was really good. <laughs> Which is something we always say. <laughs> yeah. But like to get to get a little bit more specific, like it continues the creepy uh <laughs> relationship between Slade and his gay son's uh future wife. <laughs> and uh and Good Rose I, stuff. Yeah, good rose stuff, like Again, she's in Minnesota right now, and she's kind of piecing things back together. And... I think you actually see Vince's house from this comic. Yeah. <laughs> it's that dog house that the, that the that that boy is hiding in, that Hosan is hiding in. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm always in the dog house when it comes to my wife. My wife. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then you get you get some really nice uh, street level action, and yeah, this is just I mean, it's just doing its thing, and it's like weaving all these storylines together in a really satisfying way, and and again, there's like another ridiculous twist ending. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and also like I have didn't think I would ever really care about the the weird new 52 power girl and here she is being a really interesting character and talking about science in a way that like makes sense and is not you know yeah I also think it's really interesting they didn't beat you over the head with the fact that that is the new 52 power girl yeah like, unless you remembered that you would have no idea right and it's the opposite of a Jurgens comic. 
<laughs> she introduced herself as Power Girl, but not the one you might remember from the past. <laughs> I mean, you know, more than one person can have a name, right? Like it'll be it'll be such an overworked thing. So, <laughs> kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this is a damn good comic, and you know, there there has been a number of folks online myself included, but also uh, vocally our pal Greg Matasevich, who said that DC should give Christopher Priest milestone in the way that Young Animal and uh, The Wild Storm are given to Gerard Way and uh, Warren Ellis. And I feel like looking at this book and seeing how much he's doing with a shared universe in one title, you can't argue with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that that would be actually really cool. Yeah. DC, we work cheap. <laughs> I bet the three of us, if we took what Jim Lee makes every year and divided it three ways, it would still be considerably more than we're making now. <laughs> uh, and we will promise to get you our art more on time. God, it will be terrible. Well, Vince is a good artist. I don't know how well a good Zach is. Mine will be terrible, but oh, we'll get it to you on bad. time. Thanks for calling me a good artist, Brian. I like your art. I needed that today. You're welcome, pal. Um, anything else to say about this issue? Oh, I guess we should say uh, Deathstroke's blind now. <laughs> double eye patches. He better have double eye patches. <laughs> yes! Oh, God, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that essentially makes his mask uh, Daredevil's mask. Because right now he already has just like the one eye hole, you know, so... Um, but yeah, <laughs> was right. it, wasn't double eye patches a joke on Harvey Birdman attorney <laughs> law with uh, think, Stephen Colbert's character? I think it might have been. Yes, Bill Ken Seven. Some one of our listeners check check that for me. Yeah, we need an intern to look you, up our shit for us. You work now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Minsky. <laughs> Deathstroke, very good, very nice. Deathstroke v. Good. <laughs> I just squealed at a Borat joke. Yes, you did. <laughs> In 2017. <laughs> at 29 years of age. <laughs> <sighs> we are number one exporter of pubis. <laughs> All right, that brings us to Detective Comics number 952, written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by, uh, who did this issue? Oh, it was really... Chris, Christian... C- Christian Deuce, or Duce, du- I don't know. But we the first do this every We do this every time. single time we do. But the fr- Deuce, and it was so good. <laughs> the first three pages, though, are done by um, Fernando Blanco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I got... I didn't look at the credits before I started, and I was like, is Blanco doing this whole issue? That's wonderful. And, oh, he's not. But Duce, Duce, however we're saying it, he did, he did a good job as well. I like his art. Yes, I think this is some of his – I think I think he's growing uh, as an artist. I think this is some of his best yet. I love the way he draws Batman. I don't know. like. Okay, fuck me. Whatever. No, I agree. I agree. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not arguing with that. Yeah. Uh, this was a dark issue. 
Yeah. This felt in in some ways, and I don't mean this as an insult. This felt in some ways like an issue of All Star Batman, where I feel like this. I feel like so far All Star Batman is just Batman being painted into corners, and then him finding ex- ridiculous ways out of those corners. And this felt like that a little bit, but not in a bad way. I think if, I think it felt that way in a very fun way. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It was um, strangely sparse, I felt like. Like, it was a breezy read, but it was still, in terms of, like, dialogue, it was very um, art-heavy. Or the art did the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, which which is, is fine. Um, especially, like, it, it's nice because it's kind of like a cast-centric story. Yeah. I love I love how this is also just basically, I mean Bat Batwoman's getting her own solo title, but this is like Batwoman two point It's just like the second Batwoman book, and I hope that that doesn't change. Like I hope that because she's got a solo title, she's not going to be taken off of this team just for that reason. You know, I don't think although, she will be. Although given what we've no, I don't think so either, but given what we've seen of her possible future in the Batwoman rebirth issue, I wouldn't be surprised if she exited for like an arc. You know, like when we see her in that like military getup. Right. I it wouldn't surprise me if she was like table like benched from this book just for like six issues or whatever. And I think that that could be part of the story too. She sure, wouldn't just I'm be sure disappearing, you know. Oh, absolutely! It it would overlap, most certainly. Yeah. It'd be. I I wonder if we're going to get kind of like crossover type stories between those two books. Mm. Yeah, considering that's a good point. Considering Tom King's kind of doing his own thing over in Batman, like. Would this be an opportunity for Detective and Batwoman to sort of be the action comic Superman synergy? Mm-hmm. That'd be really interesting. That would be. Uh, it, I also want to say how refreshing it is. I feel like at various points in the New 52 and before, every single comic was a Batman comic. <laughs> and right now, you know, he's in the two Justice League books, obviously. He's in. Batman and Detective. Is there another book that Batman is regularly appearing in? JLA. I said the two Justice League books. Oh, you did say... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I wasn't listening. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> it's fine. I usually don't. I know. Uh, no, is it, it really, is there any other book he's, he's popping up in all the time? Did he show up in a book this week? Or I'm thinking Superman showed up in two books, didn't he? Yeah, that's he what did. it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Superman he, showed up at the end of two books. He was at he was at the end of the last issue of Teen Titans. Yeah, and he appeared in Deathstroke, but like but those are small but, but yeah, appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's just nice to have him um still a very important character without appearing in every single comic. Yeah. Um, but overall, I thought this was a very good issue. I think, uh, 
I think this this story is going to be an interesting one because it is so dark, and I think Detective has done a nice job so far of even when dealing with very dark things like Tim's death, the book never becoming bogged down in its um in the sadness that could be there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, there's still been a lot of hope in this book. And this seems like an arc designed to take away hope. Yeah. Uh, forgive my my lack of knowledge here. Did we know, at least post-Flashpoint, that Lady Shiva was Cass's mother, or no? I don't remember. I, think, so. I, don't remember. I think that's new information. Yeah, I think so, too. What do you guys think about that? Uh, it's cool. Sorry. (laughs) Your words and your noises uh, are counteracting each other. I didn't sleep a lot last night. I'm I'm pretty impartial to the reveal. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't seem ridiculous. Like, I, I think a lot of times a surprise parentage reveal just feels so forced. And this didn't. It didn't. It wasn't the freshest thing I've ever heard, but it was okay. Um, anything else to say about the issue? No, it's still really good. All right, that brings us to uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number sixteen, uh, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by which Sandoval did this issue? There's a couple of Sandoval artists. Well, is this Rafa? Good? Isn't it always Rafa on? It's Rafa. I believe it always is on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh so... man. Speaking of dark. Yeah. This issue wasn't necessary. <laughs> we talked last. I think it was Zach last time. I talked about how much he liked Guy Gardner comparing Akrilla to him. Akrilla to saying like you know everyone thinks he's the Kilowog, but he's really the Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Or was that you, Vince? I think it was me, but I'm, okay. you know I'm the one who listens to the show after it, you know, <laughs> released. So I would know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I agree with that. Like that is that was a nice little bit of writing, and I love that he's wearing a Warriors like his bar T-shirt and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of nice like tie-in to the overall Green Lantern stories here, but. Did we really need an issue of Guy Gardner taking out his very literal daddy issues on a giant yellow lantern and pulling his eye out? That was rough. Yeah, that was really gross. Um, no, I don't think we needed that. And I don't think we needed it to go this far. I mean, good God, like, I okay, I know comics aren't for kids anymore, you know? But, like, imagine if you are reading... You want to read a Green Lantern book, and you're some kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not, oh, I sound like such a prude when I say that, but, like, it's just so over the top that I don't even want to see. I don't want to see this in my Green Lantern, you know? I don't think it serves much of a purpose. I don't think there's any part of Guy Gardner's story that you're like, oh, now I get it. His dad was a dickhead. First of all, we already kind of knew that from prior stories, specifically in the New 52 when he's a Baltimore cop. 
before becoming a Green Lantern, which is a weird twist I don't really want to talk about. Um, but I feel like it just doesn't... This is this is one of those issues, and I think Venditti is guilty of this fairly frequently, that thinks it's tackling some big, important issue, but does it in the completely wrong way. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. If if you're the Green Lantern Corps, do you really want? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Uh... Eh. I don't have a lot to say about this issue. Yeah, me either. Other than it was just gross. <laughs> I'm a prude. Uh, we got a little bit of Saint Walker. I like how Saint Walker has no idea who Guy is. I did yeah. enjoy that beat. Yeah. <laughs> and and after this issue, he'll want nothing to do with Guy. <laughs> exactly. All will be well over here in this uh, <laughs> in this side story here. All right, that brings us to Justice League of America number two, um, written by Steve Orlando. And illustrated by who did this issue? It wasn't um, it wasn't Ivan Reyes. I know that. I think it was Felipe Watanabe. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so did anybody have one issue before filling in the uh, (laughs) in the pool on this? (laughs) Well, two if you count the rebirth. Didn't someone else do the rebirth? No. No. No? Okay. My apologies, Ivan. Um. What do you guys think of this issue? I didn't love it. I was a little underwhelmed. I'm with you, Zach. <laughs> I uh, I may be a little more positive than you guys just because I still really like this team and the way that... I like the way that Orlando writes them. I'm still just very bored by the actual plot of the issue. I, my, my story on this book is the same as it was last time. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I like how he writes the characters. He gets them. He gives them, a li- he gives them each a little moment. They're true to themselves. I think they're, I think they're fine as a team. I just can't get myself to care about um the bad guys basically i agree i thought that i thought wananabe did a nice job with the sure. art yeah the art was really good but i think you know i this is i like i trust orlando so much he's probably my favorite writer right now at dc you know it's either between him or tim seeley and uh Christopher I, Priest I, is very upset with you right now. Yeah, I'm, just, oh, I'm teasing. Man. I'm teasing. I know. I it's because he only writes that one book, and I, I yeah, I don't think of him as a DC writer, although I should, because um, that's so good. Um, but I, tr- I trust him to like make something interesting out of this. It's just not happening yet. Not clicking. I really like this team. I, again, I said this last time. I don't think that this team necessarily matches 
this story all that well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think the idea of having like a uh, a sovereign nation taken over by a supervillain was just done so much better in the past, specifically with, with, with Black Adam, that this just felt like a, a poor man's version of that story from 52. Yeah. Yeah. I, I trust Orlando. I keep waiting for him to... I keep waiting for him to, like, really throw in the twist that makes this team perfect for this situation. Um, and I, I still believe that that's going to happen because I, I trust him so much. But... I don't doubt that it's going to happen. I, I just think it's 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 certainly not there yet. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else to say about the issue? All right, that brings us to Justice League Power Rangers number three, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Stephen Byrne. Um, can these guys take over the main Justice League book? <laughs> Bring Dermot Mulroney to DC Rebirth. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, I'm I, we've 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 covered in detail that I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about when it comes to Power Rangers, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying this. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's going beyond the Justice League now. You got the Teen Titans involved. You got Shazam for the first time in in a little bit. Y'all know, y'all know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that? I love it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I and and this is so go- this is like goofy fun. You know, like the Flash is there for comic relief, and <laughs> let's Diana, punch a hole in space, guys. <laughs> yeah. Diana, you great Herod. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually I can, but it's usually accidental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is we yeah. Yeah, yeah. More of this. I don't uh, exactly know how that would work. I don't mean more No, I I, I agree, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean more. I mean more this style, like remove the Power Rangers from this and just this style of book. It's just so light, so breezy, you know, it's somewhere between like the, the current apocalyptic justice league title and art and Franco's superpowers, you know? Right. Like, and what I mean by that is, there, there's so many characters and so much going on here in this crossover that everybody's got to be distilled down to their like main traits, you know? Right. And, right. And, and there's a threat, but they're all going to solve it. The flash is going to be funny. You know, Batman's going to be a little dark. Superman's going to be hopeful and boom, boom, boom. We're going to do this. And it's, yeah, it's just going to, it's going to entertain. It's going to breeze by. Whereas I feel like the current justice league title is getting bogged down in like, overly heavy dialogue um again like these huge huge concepts that somehow still don't feel important um and this book doesn't this book just is concerned with having fun and that's what i want yeah yeah i love the bit at the end with superman just like oh hi 
How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm Superman. <laughs> and Stephen Byrne, come on. Yeah. That guy can draw the Justice League any day he wants to. He's great. Tom Taylor is a guy I would not have pegged for this series. I no. feel like he's so known for the Injustice comics, which, I, which to be fair, I have never read. I am judging those purely based on the source material. But that's so dark with an evil Superman. And then he took over the Earth 2 with an evil Superman. So to see him write a not evil Superman was oh, a bit just, surprising. He's got three issues yet. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I like how he draws the Justice League so that they're similarly proportioned to the Power Rangers. Like, they look like they could fight alongside one another, you know? Yes. Um, and that I, it doesn't lessen the Justice League. It just makes it make more sense as a sort of a... I'm, they, feel, they feel like almost equal teams, strangely. Yeah, they kind of do. And that shouldn't work, but it does, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, this is just a fun little diversion. I like it. Agreed. That brings us to Mother Panic, number four. Shifting over to Young Animal briefly. Written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Sean Crystal. Um, I don't want to shit on this book. <laughs> but... It's pretty clear what the weakest young animal book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. I feel like this is the classic example of a book that every time I pick it up, I have no idea where I left off last time. And I'm, I'm struggling to remember what happened. And the characters just aren't that memorable yet. And by the time I get into the groove of what's happening again, the issue's over. And then the same thing happens the next month. Yeah. I, I do have to say, like, I do agree with you. Like, while I was reading it, I was like, yeah, this pretty much cements this as, as my least favorite young animal book. But, like, if you were, like, to kind of switch categories and kind of, like, compare it to, like, bat books, I would rank this as, like, a pretty good bat book. Yeah, I could, I could, I can go along with that. Um. Because I still I still enjoy reading it, but I'm also with Brian where like it takes me it takes me a little bit to get into and remember who everybody is, mm-hmm. and there aren't even that many characters. No, so. there really aren't. <laughs> no. So like, but you know what you know what it is, and I realized this reading this issue. This is only the fourth issue, right? Mm-hmm. The first issue was so strong, like, it, it drew the main character so strongly. Like, she's this, like, sort of famous socialite, right? Right. And it, it, it made real headway into explaining exactly who this character is. And I felt like, okay, now they're going to, they got to explore more who she is and why she's doing what she's doing. And I feel like at times they, like, barely attempt that but it's been such a slow go that this character that I once like that I immediately thought was going to be very interesting and immediately memorable is just not quite getting there yet you know like they show her on this talk show 
in the in the beginning of the the book, and I thought that was a really strong scene. Like I get the like that rang true to me. But then like when she puts on the costume, I kind of lose what her identity is supposed to be as a hero or whatever, you know? Right. I I just don't know. I just yeah, I don't know. It's not quite meshing. I like it. I think it's I I enjoy reading it, but it does take me a little it takes effort on my part to get there, you know? Yeah. This issue is also a pretty big artistic shift, too. Um, yeah, Sean I, Crystal's art is is not all that similar to Tommy Lee Edwards. Right. But I still, I really liked the art in this a lot. Um, I thought he, like, nailed the, like, really did cool things with, like, the look of the character, which, like, that's one thing. Like, I love this character's design so much. Like, the the helmet is like so cool and distinctive and like the oversized gloves are so weird and kind of like i i don't know i i'd really like this book's look and aesthetic but but yeah i agree with all of the other you know criticisms yeah kind of levied against it Again, and it's, then it's not like bad no yeah it's uh you, you know it's what? A book I, that doesn't really sit, feel like it's kind of found its 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 groove. You know, like it it doesn't really know what it is yet. Right. I uh, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna reevaluate things for like the trade. Maybe I'll read it all over again once this once the quote unquote trade is completed, mm-hmm. and then maybe we'll see what I think. Um, Maybe it'll read much better in trade. It, it it kind of feels like a book that would. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think to be fair, most comics read better in trade. Yeah, yeah. I think DC Rebirth's doing a pretty good job of getting away with that, getting away from that at points. But this isn't Rebirth. I understand that. Um, right. Well, that, Rebirth yeah. is telling. We're also. I feel like we have a different perspective on Rebirth because we are we're reading so much of it that it all feels like one big story to us. But if you're just reading three or four books, specifically three or four books from disconnected pieces, like if you're only reading Supergirl, Teen Titans, Detective Comics, and Superman, I don't know if you're going to feel the same way that we feel. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know on Twitter um, or Smoke Signal, Semaphore, However, you get in touch with us. Um, that brings us to New Superman number nine. This is um, the part of the show where Zach and I eat crow every month. So, um, do you want to go first, Zach, or should I? Uh, this book's really good. Yeah. And it's uh, nice to have Bogdanovic. Yeah, back. I should yeah. say, uh, written by Gene Yuen Lang, illustrated by Victor Bogdanovic. Um, another case of Lex Luthor being done much better outside of action <laughs> comics. He was great in this. Um, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was legitimately surprised when he started speaking like perfect Mandarin. Yeah, same here. Of course, <laughs> he speaks Mandarin. It, 
but the, but the comedy that they wrung out of that in the meantime was so good. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, the translator would give basically the exact opposite answer of whatever either of them said. Right. It was, yeah, just really, really fun, funny. I mean, that describes this whole this comic like that's what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's fun, it's funny, but it it it's just very, very well rounded. Oh man, and it looks so good. It does. It it's it. Bogdanovic is looking more and more Capullo every time we see yep. him. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how much of that has to do with Glapion inking because Capullo inked for Glapion. I think other way around. Oh yeah, sorry, I misspoke there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. He did the first, like, I think through Death of the Family. I was going to say, I think he dropped up. off either during or after Death of the Family. Yeah, I think after that it was Danny Mickey. Mickey. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't know how much of it has to do with that. But, like, some of these faces are so Capullo, and I, I love that. And, it's just, yeah, it's just gorgeous looking, and the colors are so nice and varied. Who does the colors? I, I can't remember. Um... Pre- uh, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer. Um, no, sorry, it's Mike Spicer. They're very good. Yeah. And also, like, there are scenes, you know, it's weird to keep drawing the, the Batman comparison, but, like, the scene where they're flying into Metropolis, the kind of, like, neon colors remind me very much of, like, a lot of the color schemes in Zero Year. Oh, interesting. And and then like also in the in the lab, there's a lot of like kind of you know it's very like rainbow esque. There's a lot of like greens and yellows and purples and blues and mm-hmm. it's just very very colorful. And when the uh, when the the speedster shows up, mm-hmm. she like injects a swath of color in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Which, I think I brought this up when it was shown in the solicits, but is this one of the speedsters from The Flash, from the Speed Force Storm? I think so. I think it is. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, she is. See, that's a cool part of Rebirth. And, like, remember we saw the Starro hallucinations from this in... um in an issue of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh-huh. Like, those little connections are super fun. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I yeah. Uh, Gene Yang is apparently really good at doing that stuff. Yeah. This is so good. Like, I'm so glad this is good because I was really excited when Gene Yang came on Action Comics. Um, was it Action or Superman? It was Superman. Superman. You're right. You're right. It was Superman. Sorry. Um, When he came on Superman. But that run just, I feel like, was so beholden to, like, the truth crossover thing that it really limited his, you know, what he could do. Whereas this is just, you know, unfettered. It's really wonderful. Yeah, that, that action arc was also, like, I'm sorry, Superman arc. He was coming in right after Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. He was um, he was expected to 
sort of you know tie up loose ends that were started elsewhere this is his own story mm-hmm. and he's doing a great job with his own story it's funny though i read an anecdote where uh gene yang said that he didn't want to do a chinese superman yeah story. I, I, i've read the same thing yeah <laughs> which is fun it's it's funny how often those sorts of stories turn out to be good you know yeah like so and so didn't didn't plan on doing it this way and then it turned out to be better than you could have imagined you know yeah i but i i imagine it as a set you know somewhat racially insensitive meeting with dan didio where he's like <laughs> no you, you're gonna do the chinese superman like, <laughs> i mean you get chinese people just better than i do you know <laughs> we all know why no one has to say anything <laughs> but you know but but it's really good. It's really, I mean, this is one of my favorite DC books, really. I mean, one of these days we got to redo our top tens. We really do. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I, I, this, it's a joy to read every month. I love it. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Then don't. Well, all right. I won't. Don't tell me what to do. Are we in Blue Beetle territory? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're every bit as good as that comic is. We're much better. (laughs) Don't sell us short there. Uh, Oh, boy. You're a tremendous slouch. (laughs) Uh, That brings us to Red Hood and the Outlaws number eight. Uh, written by Scott Lobdell, illustrated by Kenneth Rockefort. Guys, it took eight issues. Back together. <laughs> it, it took eight issues, but here's the Lobdell comic no one wanted. <laughs> I thought it was okay. Yeah, I did not. I did not care for this issue. No. This is such a boring story. I don't think anybody who was reading this was like. I wish I understood Artemis's motivations more. Like that's that's not that's not what anybody was thinking. It just it just isn't. It's just not part of the calculus. People want interesting stories with these three characters. And if there's a way to give more insight into our motivations organically, that's great. The most fun part of this book so far has been Bizarro, who was nowhere to be found on this issue. And instead you have Jason Todd acting, you know, Jason Toddy by being a kind of a smart ass here and there, but it's just it's all this boring, boring, boring Amazonian stuff. I felt like I was reading Odyssey of the Amazons again. Uh, I just didn't give a shit. Yeah, still, still better than Teen Titans. Than his Teen Titans, you mean? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine, but you know, you're right, Brian. You're you're 100 percent right. Uh, I can can we talk about something that I really dislike that Cape Comics do all the time that this sure. comic is doing right now? They what issue is this eight? Yeah. So we had an opening arc that it took the entire arc essentially to get the quote unquote outlaws together. Right. Right. 
And now instead of moving forward with them, we're going to stop and we're going to talk about all their origins, I guess. Or at least we're going to do that for Artemis right now. But yep. like, comics do this, like, the best Cape comics, the, the runs that we love, they don't do this stuff. They don't. Uh, the runs that are forgettable, they might not necessarily be bad, but they're just kind of lost to time are the ones that get bogged down in doing issues like this, you know, it's, it's kind of like Trinity too. Like we thought we were Trinity. Number one was something really unique. And then three, two, three, four, five is just this same formula that we've seen so many times. Yep. And it makes for a really forgettable comic. I hate, I'm tired of, teams that take six issues team books that take six issues to put together their team and then pause to give everyone their own individual issue or something <laughs> and just never go and then this this book is going to be over by issue 12 and it'll have meant nothing you know or or whatever you know it might i'm just saying as an example you know yep. um, just get on with it you know Lobdell can be, I don't know if he can be a great writer. He can be an entertaining writer, though. But not when we're falling into formulaic structure like this. I'm just tired of it. Do this on the run, you know? The, be the best writers know how to inject this stuff on the run. And, yeah. Zach, did you read this? I, I, I did very quickly <laughs> like i brushed over it yeah you you saw what you were getting right I, yeah yeah i got it i mean like i almost kind of like hoped it would go somewhere interesting it, because it kind of like you know it did some cool things i guess with like the mythology again like there are a lot of books you know even though like odyssey of the amazons is like not a book Good that comic. i yeah, like, it, there's, like, DC is, like, kind of beefing up the Wonder Woman mythology. Yes, uh, in a lot, I, I in appreciate a lot of that, yes. Yeah, and so, like, I was like, well, okay, this is cool. This is a, a different piece of that. But then, like, it just didn't go anywhere, you know? It ended in, like, the kind of, the, like, the most trite way possible. Um, I do like Kenneth Rockerford. I, I feel like he's not that that's not like a super popular opinion, but I've always kind of enjoyed his work, even though it's usually he pairs with Labdell a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like he unfortunately visually represents the new 52 a lot Yeah. because he did so much. I remember, you know, he was on Superman for a bit. He was on Teen Titans, you know. He just he 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 was somewhat synonymous with, especially like the first two or three years of the New Fifty Two, and I think he's really talented. And I'm sad that he gets lumped, lumped in with Lobdell so much, but you know, I, I think you're right. I think he's a he's a good artist that deserves more credit than he gets. I always just love the like weird little geometric shapes he does with the panels and they're always like weird little bits flying off of them it's <laughs> it, it serves like no purpose other than just like a weird design thing but i always 
have enjoyed that about his work. Yeah, that's a really good detail. <laughs> I, I've never noticed that until now. I like that. I, I like how angular all of his characters are. They're very, like... I feel like his art is almost borderlining on that, like, 90s image style, you know? Yeah. Except his is, like, more... There's something slightly experimental about it. Yeah. Like, like about the way that he draws shading on people's faces as these, like, again, like, geometric shapes. And, like... Yeah, like, everything is everything is so angular and yet, like, not grossly... Pro- like, a lot of times when artists do that, the proportions get all screwed up. And right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking mostly of Liefeld, but, like, you know, he's not the only perpetrator of that. Um, but I feel like his, his stuff is always, like, very handsome and well-proportioned, yet with just a little bit of experimentation and sort of the angular stuff that he does. I... I I like it a lot. He's just very rarely on a book that I actually like. He he did some Green Lantern stuff, I think, a few years back that was pretty good. Did he? I don't remember that. Uh, it might have just been a, a, a soda can. <laughs> like, li- <laughs> like, literally, I think he did the art. I think he did the art on the brisk Green Lantern movie tie-in uh, iced tea. That's so random and interesting. I don't know. Hold on. He, he, he recently did um, the, not the volume that's out right now, but the previous volume of Ultimates with Al Ewing. Yep. Um, and I really liked that a lot at Ed Marvel. I, I guess just to clarify, obviously it's not DC, but. Yeah. Um, uh, have either of you guys ever read his I guess read is the wrong word. Seen his website? Uh, it's called uh, Middlegraphia. No. Every day he posts a new sketch, um, and he does it in a little book. And at the end of the year, he auctions off the book for charity. Oh, that's and very cool. The last day of the month is never posted. He said it's just for the person who buys the book. And so at Emerald City Comic Con a couple years ago, I went up to his table and I said I was a big fan of the site. I really like, you know, what he does with it. And he's like, oh, well, here, look at all the pages you haven't seen on the internet and showed uh-huh. me all the last ones. And so just, so you, so you just can't take pictures of them, but you can look at them. And it was, it was very cool of him. It was, nice. uh, yeah, it's it's highly recommended, actually, because every day he does, it's like a little, it's a little sketchbook. It's not very big, but he does something. It's never, uh, I believe it's all original characters. Just like a, just like a new creative sketch every day. That's uh, worth checking out. Huh. All right, let's let's move things along here because we've been talking for a long time and uh, <laughs> we still have like five books to get through. I think I, dr- I dropped the iced tea picture in your uh, in the call here. So. Oh, I really yeah. I really hope it's the picture of the rapper iced tea <laughs> drawn by Kath Rock. Yeah, exactly. Um, can we just skip Suicide Squad? Is that Kosher. Yeah, I, I do think that there's one bit of, of sort of um, kind of. I really it... liked the backup. Zach, you're still liking this, so we'll talk about it. But yeah, what, what I was going to say is, just, I, I just think the idea of the Suicide Squad having their brain bombs disengaged is uh, important in the storyline, mm-hmm. but will ultimately lead to nothing. Wait, and what are those? 
brain bombs do again? They blow up their brains? Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Now they should remind us of that <laughs> in every issue. Uh, Actually, you know how last issue I got kind of offended because I felt like I was being branded as the guy who liked Suicide Squad? Yeah. I think this week I might actually own it. Really? You're going to yeah. own it? I think I might own it. You're just going to you're going to get on that catwalk and own it. I'm going to own it. Okay, so I really did like I liked the backup cuz A the Barrow's art is really good and <laughs> but I I have to I'm writing down what I have to say about Barrow's art. It's not an insult. Just keep going. Okay. Say it. you can um and like I thought I don't know. I thought that the moment with Hack was like kind of sweet. It was nice. But then in the first, in the main feature, so the one thing that I really liked about this, and this is like a super small thing, but um, the moment when like Deadshot starts like fleeing and running away, that like sequence of panels where he's just kind of like running and gunning, I thought that looked so good for, for Romita. Hmm. Yeah. I just thought it like I thought like this book looks good. It's very interesting. It okay like there's one image. It's if you're on the comicsology version, it's the 13th page the top right panel. Looks, What's happening in the panel? Give it to us. Um um dead shot is just running. He's He's got his gun out in front of him. He's running. He's holding something behind him. It looks almost Mignola-esque. Yes, I, I will agree. That is a nice panel. Although so, I think Deadshot's mask looks so stupid in this oh, whole yeah. issue. Well, well, it's always looked stupid in the New 52. It looks especially stupid under because the pen of... Because it's a big eyeball thing? Yeah, because under the pen of Romita, yeah. Yeah, yeah the because the big Romita. eyeball thing looks like a... Like a giant protuberance. You know that issue or that image of uh, Deadshot running and gunning on the top right of that page. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That I have to believe that that is a self homage to one of his Captain America covers with um, Rick Remender. You you're you you may be right. That does look like very reminiscent of that. In fact, yeah. this whole sequence kind of like feels kind of like that. Definitely, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a cover where it might even be number one, like the first issue of that run, where replace the gun with Cap's shield, and then he's got his his arm out like that, and he's, like, running over a pile of rubble. I'm pretty sure that's, like, a pretty hefty homage to himself, which I like. I get a kick out of that. Um, it's pretty similar. It's yeah. not exact, oh, but it's, it's, not exact. it is similar. It's I'm, similar. Okay, I'm not looking at it right now, but I just... It struck me as similar. Alright, so can I can I see my Eddie Barrows piece now? Yeah, yeah. Is it the weird close ups? It is. But, close ups. But I, I have I have dubbed the name for it. Okay. It's the reverse Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> you know in Ren and Stimpy when there'd be yes. a really gross close up of somebody? Uh-huh. He does the reverse of that where his art is is nice, but it's like beautiful in close up. So <laughs> it's the reverse Ren and Stimpy. The reverse Crick Falusi. Exactly. I love it. And I, I, 
Oh, I loved his Killer Croc in this, too. I guess my biggest problem with with Suicide Squad right now is just that I am, like, miles beyond giving a fuck. <laughs> and so even when the issues are better, and I, I think we have to say, Vince, this is better than the Jim Lee arc, right? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But I still turn to the page where Harley is hitting Deadshot with her giant hammer and completely shut myself down. I Because, like you said, I just can't... All right, here's Harley being Harley, and they're going to... I just can't... Ugh. Ugh. You know, I, I, I do... I feel like every time I put praise on this book, it's because I'm enjoying the art. Yes. I don't think I've said anything good about the story. <laughs> And I'll say this, Zach, you're, you're talking about it and us looking at it has gotten me to appreciate, I don't appreciate the story, but it's gotten me to appreciate like individual panels and moments in the art that I would have otherwise just skimmed right over because I don't care. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm glad you are owning it. I'm owning it. <laughs> I'll also say that. There's almost nothing in this world dumber than the Rick Flag Harley Quinn possible romance. I'm pretending that it's just not happening. <laughs> I'm just it's just not not happening. All right, now we can stop talking about Suicide Squad. Yeah, that brings us to um Supergirl number 7 written by Steve Orlando. And illustrated, we have a guest artist this week, illustrated by Mateus Bergara. Um, and uh, we, as Vince alluded to, we get Superman showing up. We get my favorite Superman artistic thing happening here, where he, he is entirely in shadow except for the, the the logo on his chest. Love it when they do that. It's a very Mignola thing to do. Very Cosmic Odyssey. Um, love it, love it, love it. Um, overall, I thought this issue was, was good. I, I think that... So back when we did Supergirl Month at Multiversity, I interviewed Sterling Gates about his run on the character. And one of the things he said was that he thinks the most important aspect of Kara is her compassion for others. And I feel this issue did a great job showing how compassionate she is. Yeah, this was my favorite issue yet, I think. Really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yes, I'll say that. Yep. I'm going to own it. Own it? <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to own our baggage. Yeah. Um, This issue is fine. I, I feel like we're, as we're kind of coming to the ends of the, the first arcs of a lot of the monthly books, we're getting these kind of like short little like one-off or two issue story arcs that are a little less consequential and kind of fillery. And that was very much this for me. I don't disagree with that. I think that this would have read better in a in one of the twice monthly series. Mm -hmm. It's that point that you were talking about last week, Brian, when you said like the first lantern origin, like the Volthoom origin issue is something that you can get away with. In a bi-monthly because, or bi-weekly or whatever. Is twice. It bi I just say twice monthly. <laughs> twice monthly. 
Because even Wikipedia doesn't know. Like oh, it says, man. like some people say twice, say biweekly meaning twice a week. Some people say biweekly meaning twice a month. So just twice monthly. I really am a smart college-educated man that should know that, but <laughs> we all are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, it is. It's something that you can get. A, but now you're thinking, okay, you got this issue, and you have to wait a whole other month for Supergirl. And then I think next issue is a Superman Reborn tie-in. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And But I get it. I, I get that. Oh, feeling. but wait, is, oh. is next month the... I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, is... No, 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 Is next month the Legion one? Or not necessarily not, Legion, but... I think that's two months from now. Okay, okay. I could be wrong. Guys, what if the Legion comes to help Superman with Mr. Mixespitalik? Oh! <gasps> We're going to get Zach's hopes up again. Yeah, we are. You guys should really stop that. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to remove it. Um, Life is hard enough without having your uh, hopes dashed, right? <laughs> yes, that's indubitably the case. Um, but but I, so I know I understand your feeling, Brian, but I liked this issue a lot, so it didn't bother me. I thought it was okay. Like I said, I, I think it really showed Kara's compassion. I like that part of it. How she's just so dedicated to finding how to help, you know, this this uh, this character. Um, I also say that I think the art worked well with what Brian Ching has been doing in the book. I thought it was very much a piece of that. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, very much so. Anything else to add, Zach? Nope. All right, guys. It's with a heavy heart we have to talk about Superwoman number eight, written by Phil Jimenez, illustrated by Jack Herbert, and uh, not just Jack Herbert. He is he is joined here by. Hang on, it's not on the cover. I have to get to the actual credits page. Uh, Steven Segovia as well. Uh, this was the first issue of Superwoman I didn't really dig. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I'm going to play the Zach role and say, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was... Um... So all of the issues of Superwoman have been really wordy. You were like taking the words out of my mouth, Zach. Yeah. This time I'm minded. There are full pages that have like a novel's worth of, uh, of words on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think all that much is accomplished here either. Like there are some books that have to be wordy because you're, you're getting across ideas that can't be expressed visually. I don't think anything in this issue is going to matter a month from now. There's, there's that eight panel page where Lois and Lana are just like talking at each other, trying to like convey these like really big arguments at each other and it's just like so long (laughs) i get that it didn't feel it it felt the same as any other issue to me though i liked this stuff with natasha and john henry because i like those characters um but i really liked this stuff with um atomic skull yes agreed and uh, the Ultra Woman clone. Yeah. 
And yeah. I like the stuff with Lex. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like all of that stuff a lot. See, we liked this issue. <laughs> no, but the, the Lana in a coma stuff was just so overdone. There are times when I could have strangled But you know I would hate anything to happen to her Oh man, I wish John Henry had been seeing that (laughs) Hey, we got the Guardian back we did get the Guardian back. Can we talk about how this is a weird Superman Reborn tie-in? But yeah. that it doesn't <laughs> it really... Doesn't... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is like... I mean, I get... It's it's like... Is it spoiling things? Maybe. I mean, it's essentially, you know, again, spoiler alert here, but essentially there is a, uh, like, Lana has to give up the piece of energy that dead Clark gave her, like, when he died, and she gives it up to return to him and Lois so that they can do what exactly? Go back to their home planet, which is this planet, though. I know, <laughs> and and they, uh, no, I know. I meant that sarcastic. No, I, I know, but that's that's essentially what they say, though. Yeah, and, and there is some vague talk about them having a son, and that and how that matters a lot, right? But but also, yeah, this is so like this is getting into like some big like you know kind of like multi metatextual universe spanning like what superman and lois mean for the dc universe which reborn hasn't really gotten to yet it's kind of like on the cusp of that maybe right and i love that lana asked the question like why are you guys different yeah i i love that part of it but the answer is so baffling that i can't really get behind it <laughs> Yeah. I think the worst part of this is I'm pretty sure this is Phil Jimenez's last issue on the book. I'm pretty sure you're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, it, he does get kind of a really nice send-off, though. Like, that that second-to-last page, the, the double-page spread, he... You know, it almost like that could be the end of the book. Yeah. But then there's one more page. Right. <laughs> um, maybe maybe let's pretend there wasn't. Yeah. And Lois looks an awful lot like Marco Kidder when she's flying here, which I love. Oh, I see it. You're right. So high in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, now that I talk it out, I didn't I guess I didn't dislike this book as much as I thought I did. I think it was two things. One is it the wordiness really stood out and the art wasn't quite on the same level as it has been when it's Jimenez or um, Lubachino? I think, does it, hasn't Lubachino been doing yes. issues? Okay, yeah. It, that's definitely part of it. And uh, I said, I'll add to that just the sort of 
big existential questions asked without quality answers or even hints as to what it means. Like the thing about their son just really confused me. And about going back to like where they need to be from a planet of some sort. All of that just seemed like it was, uh, it was really haphazardly thrown together and left purposely vague, but I don't see a place where these answers will be with these questions will be answered. So, right. yeah, but, but defend it, own it, own it, Vincey. Huh? Own it. Own your, uh, own your enjoyment of the issue. No, we're done. <laughs> it's over. It, it's over for that issue, but we have to talk about the Flash number eighteen right now, um, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Jesus Marino. We need some more Neil Gouge on this book, guys. Yeah, where's the Gouge? The Gouge was not was like announced as the you know secondary artist on it, and I don't think he's done four issues. No, I want to say he's but... only done two. Yeah, he did that uh that one around Christmas time, right? Yep. And then was that a two issue arc? I don't even remember. Oh, just googe me but, up, fam. But uh I would be cool with Marino still doing oh, some I, stuff. I like this a lot. That is not a that is not a knock on Marino. I just really like Googe and he hasn't been around as much as I hoped he would. This yeah. is this was a very uh I guess maybe nineties ask isn't the right term, but like in some ways, like the the scene where Flash and Kid Flash are running at at the reader together. Yeah. And then like the following page where Flash's kind of like helmet wings are taking over his whole head. Yes. All very reminiscent of kind of like nineties era mark wade flash i feel like yeah yeah definitely um yeah captain boomerang just had to stick his didgeridoo into (laughs) our flash by the way actually have one <laughs> nope that's just that just, was really, yeah. just my mouth did you redo <laughs> um yeah this is um this continues the trend of amanda waller being alive everywhere but in suicide squad which i really don't care about but just thought i'd mention introducing life model decoys to dc comics <laughs> Yeah, this is a fun issue. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like the young Wally, uh, Barry relationship. So do I. I wonder how long before the other shoe drops and he finds out that Barry's a Flash. I wish it would happen sooner rather than later because I'm really tired of that like kind of dynamic. If this was a '90s comic, every panel would be filled with one of them thinking. With Barry thinking, like, I wonder when Wally's going to find out I'm the Flash. And <laughs> Wally thinking, I wonder when I'm going to find out who the Flash is. I've been reading a lot of 90s DC lately. Yeah, but... been reading a lot of jerks. Yeah, that's just, that's how everybody was written 25 years ago. The Flash? Who's me? Yeah. Not me. The one who runs like me. Oh. <laughs> 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 
Titans, number nine, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brett Booth, and boy, was it illustrated by Brett Booth. Um, I think this was maybe the best Brett Booth illustrated issue, though, oh, in terms God. of story. In terms of story. All right. Not in terms of art. Not in terms of art. I feel like this is the issue where Abnett rose above. I will agree with that. I think I loved Garth just wanted to punch people. <laughs> that like little thread popping up like and then we go back and we punch them like you know that was a uh that was nice yeah yeah there's a little brave in the bold name drop there yeah yeah um there was no like extremely rubbery pizza being eaten <laughs> i was i didn't recognize the book i wasn't sure what i was reading because there wasn't rubbery pizza in it Uh, the hair looked still weird and fake, but that's still whole very story. flowy. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's heads are kind of small compared to their bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a critique we've ever levied, but it's one that I have noticed before, especially in wide shots. It's not so much in close-ups, but in wide shots. Yeah. And Arsenal Everybody's... sunglasses are technically a sovereign nation. They're so big. Yeah. Yeah. Mal is still, like, rolling his eyes in every panel. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody's everybody always is. in a state of rolling their eyes. This is the most, uh, like, emo teen book in the world for that reason. Once again, Nick Bradshaw does a variant cover that oh, yeah. shows how this book should look. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I do love having Wally West run around, though. Yes. Oh, he, I love great. it. Yeah, he's Running. just... He's a joy. He's a joy to joy to behold. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Th this is. Yeah, I think it's hard to properly judge this book because of the art, but this issue did have enough character beats that I was that I was more on board with it than I have been. And as you guys know, this is like my dream book, and to have Brett Booth drawing it, it just hurt, it hurts. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, man. That's all right. It's just such like a new 52 thing to have to deal with. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I keep hoping that they're going to announce like, you know, issue 12 will be drawn by Doc Shaner or something. Uh. All right. And that brings us to our final issue of the week. Wonder Woman number 18, written by Greg Rucka, illustrated by Bill Quist Evely. And um, we said last week that we think we're enjoying the current timeline story better than this one and i i think I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with that but i did like this issue this issue was really satisfying to me because it's playing so well with the current right the seeing, seeing barbara this way versus how we see her in the current state specifically well and i also think like i maybe we knew this or maybe i just missed it but like you know, we have this Dr. Cyber character in the modern storyline, but I don't think, like, we thought she was anything other than, like, this AI thing, but now we know who she really is. Right. Uh-huh. Um, it just adds, like, such a good layer, like, a, I think, like, a good layer of depth to the other storyline. Yeah, they're they're really feeding back and forth in a in a way that I didn't expect. For some reason, I don't know why, you know. But yeah, 
Yeah, plus, oh man, it looks so good. I feel like I say that about a lot of books, but... Yeah, Bilquist Everly really draws this, like, uh, sort of... Um, just the way that everyone's dressed and the, their hairstyles and things like that, it's it's very of an era. Mm-hmm. And, um... But what's nice is that era is not necessarily spelled out for you. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you can tell it's... You can tell it's just a different time from yeah. the other comic, you know? It has a very classic feel to it. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's just me, but I get, like, weird hints of other wonder woman artists and runs like there are some pages where i look at diana and i kind of see like cliff chang's wonder woman there's like hints of nicola scott there's um i feel like there was one other artist that i thought there's like some doc shaner in here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i don't know like there's just a lot of like cool shades of things and i don't think that's necessarily intentional but it, it just shows what Evelie's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think her style is one that that gives off some something of a vintage vibe, that that will never go out of style. You know. Right. Just like um, Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Haters gonna me, hate. Don't make me sing. <laughs> oh. Well, boys. Barbara Ann kind of looks like Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, you've gone too far. <laughs> you have got you have angered so many uh, Wonder Woman fans that don't listen to our show. But but once I signal boost this, actually, but so does Veronica Kale a little bit. But I feel like if you merge them together, they would be Taylor Swift. Oh boy, you're just digging digging your own grave there, Zach. <laughs> I've been trying for the last 30 seconds to figure out a way to say, like, you know, uh, some D- someday I'll be a member of DC's Trinity and you'll just be Cheetah or something. Like, you know, <laughs> we're working some sort of Taylor Swift reference in there, but I, I can't do it. I, I'm how too many, tired. How many seconds of a Taylor Swift song could we put at the end of this episode and not get sued? Uh, we'd have to claim fair use, which means probably zero, but that's okay. What if, we do, what if we use a Ryan Adams cover of a Taylor Swift song? That is more in our demographic, but but we'll see. Anyway, thanks for listening to us ramble for the last uh, nearly two hours, folks. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, go to multiversitycomics.com to check out writing from uh, all three of us. Vince is currently writing about the Legion television series both vince and zach are part of our new weekly shonen jump series which just last week they did what's funny about that nothing i almost forgot to write (laughs) you don't have to tell the people that vince (laughs) um i'm loopy sorry that's all right you can see me get really mad at legends of tomorrow every thursday I'm uh, sorry, every Wednesday, and uh, other things popping up here and there, multiversitycomics.com. Brian's uh, getting nude and red and mad every week. Yeah, just really about Legends of Tomorrow. Although this week was maybe the best episode of the season, so there's that coming for it. Uh, anyway, 
The uh, the primary way people tend to get in touch with us seems to be either comments on Multiversity or on tweeting at us, and we we encourage both. So if you want to get in touch with us online, you can tweet at me at Brian is an app. I'm at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I, and I'm at Sir Fox eighty nine. And we uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. And next week is a big week, right? Oh, uh, I think next week is like the super stacked week, right? Mana from heaven coming down. Yeah, yeah. strap in, boys, because it's like friggin' Wildstorm, Batwoman, Super Sons, All Star. Uh, I throw Nightwing in there because it's just so damn good. The third part of uh, Superman Reborn. Yeah, that Trinity, Cape Carson. I'm King Batman. Man, it's been a long time since we had Doom Patrol. I know there was that long delay. Yeah. yeah their, their next issue is going to have to be titled, Sorry We're Late Again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when that issue comes out, you can hear us talk about it right here on the DC3. Okay, there we go. I was trying to do a nice rap of ending, and then I stumbled over my own words. That's all, folks. Uh, that is technically brand specific so we're cool 